All right, well, good morning to everyone, and welcome to The Well here at STSA, where we are in part three of a series called Happily Ever After, which is all about marriage and love, and someone brought something to my attention this past week. They said, Father Anthony, you are halfway through a marriage series, and you haven't done one of your classic marriage jokes. So here we go. Once there was a young little girl who wanted to know, she had been studying in school, like the origin of people or civilizations or something like that. So she wanted to know, mommy, daddy, where did people come from? Like, how did people get on this planet? So first she went to her mother and her mother sat her down and told her how in the beginning there was nothing, but there was God and God created all things and it was good. And then at some point God created Adam and it was very good. And then God saw Adam needed a helper. So he created Eve and it was very, very, very good. And Adam and Eve had kids, and then their kids had kids, and then their kids and kids and kids and kids and kids, and so here we are today. And then the girl goes to her father, and the girl asked her father, where did we come from? So the father said, there used to be monkeys. And the monkeys were kind of like human beings, but not necessarily, and then the monkeys changed a little bit over time and a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more, and then here we are today. So the girl was confused. So she went back to her mother, and she said, you said that God created us, and Dad said we came from monkeys. How can these both be true? And her mother responded, oh, honey, that's easy. I told you about my side of the family. Your father told you about his. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Any marriage series, we got to get at least one corny marriage joke. We are, as I said, we are in part three of a series called Happily Ever After? Question mark. And the reason we're talking about this, as I said in the very beginning, is that it's never, ever, ever been easier to fall in love, but that doesn't mean it's easy to stay in love. And we are talking about how to be successful long-term in marriage. Anybody can get married. Anybody can fall in love. Anybody can find the person of their dreams for a day or two or a week or a year, whatever it may be. The challenge is how to stay there. And like any area of life, your physical health, your career, your spiritual life, any area of life that you want to be successful comes down to discipline. That's what it comes down to. It's not luck. Like you're not going to be healthy at the end of your life because you were lucky. You're not going to be, have a great career because you got lucky. You're going to be successful in any area if you are committed to certain disciplines. That's what gets us there in the long run. So what we are talking about in this series is five disciplines. So instead of us saying that marriage is this, is this enigma and it's a black box and how do we do it and no such thing as good marriages, five disciplines. If you can commit to these five things, your chances of success shoot through the roof. Single people, this is what you are aiming for as you approach marriage. This is what you have to be ready to do. If you're not ready to do these things, you're not ready to get married. Married people, this is what you need to start implementing right away. Five disciplines or five commitments. You guys remember what our first commitment was? Who remembers? Our first commitment was what? Seek God. Seek God. Repeat after me. Say, I will seek God. I, will seek God. I want to hear you in Arlington say, I will seek God all together. Repeat after me. I will seek God. Seek God is number one. And what we talked about is how God is our one, our spouses are two. We are not going into marriage, okay, this, for the single people, we're not seeking a spouse and we need God to help us get a spouse. We are seeking God and we need a spouse to help us get closer to God. So if we, our commitment that week was, if we're single, we will seek the one, which is God, while preparing for my two, which is my spouse. And if we're married, we will always, always, always seek the one with our two. We will commit to praying together, even if it's just very, very, very short prayer. We'll stand in front of God. Second commitment. Who remembers what our second discipline was? It was what? Fight fair. Repeat after me. Everyone say, fight fair. Fight fair. Very good. And we talked about that last week, about how we are not against our spouse. Our spouse is not our enemy. It's not like I win and she loses or I lose and she wins. It's not like that. We're on the same team. And either we both win or we both lose. So we have to stop looking at it as, how can I convince her? How can I change her? How can I get him to see? How can I get him? That's not. We're on the same team. And if we are going to win in marriage, we're going to win together or we're going to lose together. Just like they say about war. There are no winners in war. Everybody loses. It's the same thing when it comes to marriage. If we're fighting, there's no such thing as somebody who won a fight 
because in the end, either we both win or we both lose. And some people came to me and said, Father Anthony, this series is great, but the problem is you talked about fighting, and we had to practice that this past week. Okay, and some people said, stop talking about fighting. Talk about other stuff. Don't talk about fighting. Well, let me tell you this. If you are one of the people who has been following along the series, and we talked about seeking God, and you practiced that, we talked about fighting, and then a fight happened, I got good news for you. I hope the trend continues, because this week, we're going to talk about is have fun. Say, I will have fun. We're going to talk about having fun today, and it's all today's entire premise, the entire premise of today's message is based on one simple thing that I learned very, very, very early on in the field of sports, and that is this. It is that the best defense is a good offense. The best defense is a good offense. I feel like we're in a repeat after me mode, so repeat after me. The best defense is a good offense. Anyone who knows about sports, let's say you play soccer. Okay, we are really good in soccer. We defend our goal. Nobody scores on us. Okay, but if you don't ever play offense, then at best, you're going to go 0-0. Like, that's the best case scenario. You can never win. If you never play offense, you can never win the game. And when it comes to marriage, and it comes to all of life, but we're talking specifically about marriage, our goal isn't to stop fighting. This is a problem. This is why so many couples struggle, because they think the goal is to prevent failure. They think the goal is to resolve the fighting and minimize the fighting, and I couldn't disagree more. I believe the goal is not to decrease the bad, but to increase the good. And I think the more that we focus on having fun, on our companionship together, on creating those moments, those memories, those moments of intimacy and connection, then marriage will take on a whole new meaning. For those who are married, think back to when you fell in love. Remember that? What it was like back when, these, uh, when the, 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 the world was a different place, back when we fell in love. We had hair on our heads, okay? We didn't have so much around the gut, all right? We didn't have kids. We didn't have responsibilities. We just was dating, and we were Romeo and Juliet, and we were in love. We, did anybody fall in love with their spouse because they didn't fight that much? Like, did you come home and say, Mom, Dad, I met this guy. He really doesn't annoy me. He's the one for me. I met a girl who doesn't drive me crazy every time I talk to her. That's the one I want to marry. No, you didn't fall in love because there was no fighting. You fell in love because there was so much intimacy. There was so much bonding. Y'all were best friends. Y'all would hang out together. You could talk for hours. You were so creative in your dates. You looked forward to, remember this, you looked forward to seeing each other at the end of the day. You couldn't wait to spend time with each other. You would, this was when your friends were like, you're never around, you're always with her. You're never able to come out with us, you're always with him. Well, my question is, what happened? What happened when we got married? What happened? We used to have so much fun together. Some people are like, yeah, I don't know either. Yeah, I don't know. What happened? We used to couldn't wait to look forward to being with each other. But now, we come home, can't wait to sit in front of the TV. Can't wait to play video games with our friends across the world. Can't wait to hit the online shopping. It's Prime Day or whatever it may be. Like, we can't wait to do all these things. And the bottom of that list is to spend time with each other and have fun. I'll tell you what happened. What happened is you stopped playing offense. You started worrying so much about defense, and you stopped playing offense, and that is where the problems took place. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 9 says, Live joyfully. With the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life, which he has given you under the sun, all your days of vanity, for that is your portion in life and in the labor which you perform under the sun. King Solomon knew a thing or two about wives and marriage. He had 700 of them or 300 of them or whatever it may be. And what he says is like, look, life, okay, your vain life, he's not like, not to say in like a negative way, but he's like, there ain't much to live for in this world. There ain't much that you got to, that, to make you happy. But one of the things that you got is marriage. That's what we have to look forward to. We don't, it's not our career. We're not going to, at the end of our life, say, I had a great career. Wow, what a life that was. Oh, you know, all your money, all your possessions, all that stuff, some days is going to go to somebody else. Hopefully, it's someone that you like and someone you want to give it to. But if not, someone else is going to take it. So that's not what we're living for. He's saying what we have, the joy that we have, is our spouse, our wife, our husband. And I'm telling you, that verse on the screen, you started there too. I don't care how long you've been married. You started there too at some point. You at some point had goosebumps knowing that you were going to see your spouse. 
My question is how the goosebumps of then turn to the nausea of today and the headaches of today at the thought of them coming home from work. And the answer is you stopped pursuing that other person, you stopped playing offense, you focused on defense. Me personally, when me and Marianne started dating, okay, we've been married now 21 years. When me and Marianne started dating, I had always had like a, before we started dating, I should say, I had always had a question in my mind of like, I knew I wanted to get married. I knew I didn't want to be single. I knew I wanted to get married. But I didn't know how I would work in marriage because of the whole talking thing. And like time with just one person. Like, I'm a fun guy, and I like to have fun and hang out. Like, you see me up here on stage. I can talk to, like, a group of 100 people, 500 people, 1,000 people. A lot easier than talk to one person. One person is, is all the att- Like, it's, it's more challenging for me. And I remember thinking, like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. Like, I used to use talking in a weird way just to communicate information. Like, that's what talking was for me. When you had information to be communicated, you communicated it. When it was received, Roger, 10-4, you stopped talking. But there was no reason to continue the talking just for the sake of, like, so I kept thinking to myself, like, how much information could I possibly have to share with someone if I'm going to get married? So in my mind, I was going to rely on two things, prayer and TV. That's how I was going to get through marriage. Okay, that was my strategy. And then I remember, I don't even know what happened, how it happened, but somehow started dating Marianne and I talked and I didn't hate it. And we actually would talk for hours. And Marianne had, at the beginning, she had a little book. She called it the book, the, the book of Miracles of Mike and Marianne. My name used to be Mike before I was a priest. So it was Mike and Marianne, the miracles of Mike and Marianne, because there were so many miracles that God did at the very, very beginning. And at the top of her list, the top two on her list was one, Mike has an emotion. Okay, that was one miracle in hers. Okay, that she discovered one in there. That was great. And then number two, that Mike likes to talk. That's what she discovered, is that Mike likes to talk. And I'm telling you, at that time, when we were dating, I didn't want to talk to anybody, but with her... We could talk on the phone. And I'm not, I'm not talking about like the five minutes. I'm talking about like the 20 minutes, 25 minutes, maybe even 30, like a whole episode of whatever. Like I could talk for 30 minutes. I, this is back in the day. We used to call in sick, sick, okay, to work. And we would just go spend the whole day together and do nothing. We'd go on a hike, have a picnic. We would just go, like if the weather wasn't good, we'd go to like Barnes & Noble or McDonald's or someplace that we wouldn't have to order. We would just sit there and just talk, just talk. Catch that one, guys. We'd go to McDonald's and not even order at McDonald's. I have the best wife in the world, okay? But she was, truthfully, I could say at that time, my best friend. And I want her to always be my best friend. I actually still remember, okay? She's over there in Arlington watching this right now, so I know I'm embarrassed her right now. But she, one time, we both remember this. We were after church together on a Sunday, and we were walking back to the car. And I think we were engaged or somewhere in the dating process before marriage. And we were just laughing and joking about whatever it was. We were just walking to the car. And this lady came to us and she said, if I didn't know any better, I would think you guys are brother and sister, not fiance and fiance. And I took that and I was like, you know what? That's what I want. Like, that's the goal. That's why I don't get it. Single people, I don't get it. I don't get it when single people are like, no, I can't, I can't date her. She's like my sister. I, I, I can't, you know, marry him. Like, we're too good of friends. I'm like, that's the goal. Like, that's what you want. You want someone who's your best friend. You want someone that you like to hang out with. You want someone that you can, it's just a, a pal that you can be with. You want them to be more than that, but don't look at that as, as a bad thing. That's actually the goal. Those are the marriages that last. And I'll show you. King Solomon, again, who knew a lot about relationships, said this. This is Songs, Song of Songs, chapter 4, verse 10. It says, How fair is your love, my sister, my spouse. My sister, my spouse, how much better than wine is your love and the scent of your perfumes than all spices? You see what he says there? My sister and my spouse, that's my goal. That should be your goal in marriage is that you have a spouse, but she's also your sister, your sister and your spouse. That's what we're driving towards when it comes to marriage. Go back to when God created Adam and Eve. Very, very beginning. God created Adam first. And you know the story in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. Everything was good. Everything was perfect. Adam had everything he needed. The animals were fine. Okay, the, the rivers were great. There was no traffic. There was no bad weather. Okay, the football team won every game. Like, it was just perfect. Life was perfect back with Adam. But God looked at Adam and said, Adam, you're lonely. It's not good for you to be lonely. I'm going to make you a helper, somebody who can help you in your situation that can be by your side. But before God made Eve for Adam, God gave Adam a job to do. 
Do you remember what that job is? He told him, I'm going to create someone for you, but before I do, I need to put you through a little exercise. And you remember what the exercise was? Genesis chapter 2, verse 19. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. God said to Adam, I'm going to make you a partner, but before I do, I'm going to play this little game with you. And he brought all the animals to Adam, and he had Adam give them names. Why? Why do you think, what, what was the purpose? Because what God wanted Adam to see is how life works. So he brought him two dogs, a boy dog and a girl dog. He said, give him a name. A boy cat and a girl cat. A boy monkey and a girl monkey. A boy giraffe and a girl giraffe. A boy squirrel and a girl squirrel. And he brought them all, two by two by two. A boy, a girl, a boy, a girl, a boy, a girl. And then Adam looked and said, I'm missing something. I'm missing my partner. I'm missing the one that completes me. Like the dog has the partner, the cat has the partner, the squirrel, the, the wolves, the, the giraffe, but I'm missing something. Verse 20. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. See what Adam said? A helper. He said, I don't have somebody that fits with me. Like they each had a, something, but I'm, I'm missing something. I'm missing something by my side. Verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now. Now we got it, God. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. See how that works? God, don't miss the symbolism. God took a woman out of Adam's side, a rib out of Adam's side to complete him because you need somebody by your side. Yes, she's your spouse and yes, you know, intimacy and marriage. Yeah, but that's in the end. That's somebody that you're going to walk through life with. You're going to be connected at the hip. You're going to do life together. That's your sister and your spouse. So, we're going to talk about playing offense today. And specifically, we're going to talk about having fun in marriage. Who likes to have fun in marriage? Say, woohoo, if you like fun in marriage. Ah, uh, it's kind of weak. I wasn't, uh, let's go again. I want to hear everybody, even people all across the camera, say, woohoo. That's what I like to hear. We're going to have some fun today. We're going to talk about three kinds of fun in marriage. Three kinds of fun. We're going to talk face-to-face -face fun. We're going to talk shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder fun. And then we're going to go downstairs and talk belly-to-belly -belly fun. But we'll save that one to a little bit later. That's going to be the PG-13 section of the day. But let's start at the top of the human anatomy. Let's go face-to-face -face is our first kind of fun that we are going to talk about. Now, I'm going to generalize. Obviously, anytime you talk about marriage, there has to be generalizations. So some things, I'm going to say more men are like this, more women are like this. It doesn't have to be, so don't write me emails and how could you? Like, okay, I get it. Okay, not everything fits. But, so I'll just give some generalizations, but it doesn't work that way 100% across the board. Face-to-face, -face, in general, women are better at it. And women have a greater need for it. What is face-to-face -face fun? Face-to-face -face is when you are talking to one another, face-to-face, -face, as the name implies. Two people sitting across the table, having dinner together, and just communicating. Not doing anything, not preparing anything, not fixing anything, not playing anything, not planning anything, not scheduling anything, not discussing necessarily any particular thing, just talking to one another. Okay, now, and if you're like me, this is my weak spot. I'm not the good at the face-to-face, -face, so I'll kind of dumb it down in case you need to dumb it down. Guys, in case you're wondering what face-to-face -face means and talking means, okay, conversating, it means both listening and talking. I discovered it has to be both, okay? You can't just sit there across the thing and say, okay, go ahead, you talk, I'll listen, and we'll be done this thing as soon as you're done talking. It doesn't work that way. Face-to-face -face means communication with the other person. And it means, sorry guys, I'm going to use a word here that you may not like. It means, I'm going to use a few words, emotional connection through intimate conversation. Emotional connection through intimate conversation. I just lost all the guys in the room. <laughs> all the guys are like, I don't like any of those words. I don't like intimate, I don't like emotion, I don't like conversation, I don't like connection. Stick with me here, guys. 
The reason why this is important, okay? Again, forgive me, I'm generalizing. I realize not 100%. Guys and girls, we don't necessarily hang out with one another in the same way. Guys, when we hang out with each other, there's usually an activity at the center of the hangout. It's usually, come on over and let's shoot hoops. Come on over and help me fix the whatever. Come on over and help me lift whatever I need. Like there's always an activity at the center of the coming over. Women, just come on over. No activity planned. We're just going to talk. Me and my wife, we go to, sometimes my wife will say, oh, you know, so-and-so is coming over on Tuesday. And I'll say, okay, for why? She'll say, just to talk. Say, talk about what? She'll say, talk about whatever. I'm like, what do you mean talk about whatever? What, what's the agenda? She's like, there's no agenda. So I'm like, if there's no agenda, how do you know when you're done? <laughs> this is why guys don't hang out. When guys hang out, Okay, first of all, when guys hang out, if talking's on the agenda, it is clearly stated up front, okay? And it is never done in homes. It has to be in a public place. So at a minimum, we know they're closing the shop. It's time to go. We can't only stay here so long. But ladies, they just talk. They enjoy it. They don't need an agenda. They don't need someone tell him now, like someone tell him now it's time to finish. They can just do it, and they just do it naturally. And here's the thing, guys. Here's the, stick with me here, guys. This is the crazy part. Your wife who has many friends that she could talk with hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And she loves to talk to them and they love to talk to her. Hours and hours and hours and hours. Here's the crazy part. Her number one preference is to talk to you. She would rather talk to you than any of them. And you're thinking to yourself, why? You got so many options. I don't know. <laughs> but that's what she wants. And in fairness to her, that's what she thought she was getting when you got married. Because when you guys were dating, you did talk. You did listen. You did make her think she wouldn't need her girlfriends anymore. You did give her the impression that you would always be there to listen. And you would be even there to share. And then you got married. And there's no more talk. A lot of TV. Not as much talk. My question to you is, where does that leave your wife? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Says, husbands, likewise dwell with them, with your wives, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. Don't look at this verse and focus on the weaker and insulting. Anyone who says that and thinks that the that the, the, the apostles and the scriptures are putting down women doesn't understand the scriptures, because it's clearly the opposite. I don't want to get into that. That's not really our topic. Weaker is not an insult. What it says when it says deal with them with understanding as the weaker vessel is saying your wives have needs. Your wives are fragile. Your wives are delicate. Your wives are beautiful. Your wives were given to you as a precious gift. Like, you know what's weaker? Like, think about it this way. Weaker isn't always bad. Weaker can be more precious, more valuable. Like, I have a stained glass window, and then I have a brick wall. The brick wall, okay, or just the drywall, is stronger. The stained glass is weaker, but it's more beautiful. It's more precious. It's more valuable. But that's what it's saying right here. It says, we husbands... What does she need to talk for? Send me an email. Just talk to your friend. That's why your mother was here. Like, no, no, no. Guys, we need to dwell with our wives with understanding, knowing that they have needs. <clears throat> and it's not something that we should look down upon. It's something that God gave them, us, to meet those needs. And we have to do our best. We have to do a better job. Now, how? Because I'm talking to, like I said, I'm talking to myself right here. So I'm a practical person. So I want to make this very practical. In case you're a guy, you're like, uh, what, okay, just I'm going to help you out right here. The key to talking, <clears throat> if you didn't like when I said emotional, I'm going to give you something that it's actionable. So it's, it's good, but it's hard. Key to talking and listening. Okay, key to talking and listening is focus on details. Focus on details. Some guys had just had an aha moment right there, and some women were like, amen to the details. <laughs> Our wives love details. They need details. Women and men, again, I'm generalizing, so it's not 100%. It could be the opposite in some cases, but generally speaking, women like to communicate, think of it like a novel. Men like to communicate, think of it like newspaper headlines. So if you go to a man, how was your day? We don't waste time with like prepositions and things like that. We go straight to the bottom line. 
Dog jumped out window. That's what happened today. How was your day? Lost job, need prayers. <laughs> Kid ran away, police on their, are coming. Okay? Like we communicate straight to the headline. Versus our wives, how was your day? It was a dark, lonely morning. <laughs> but that's how they communicate. That's how they communicate. That's what they need. So that's why, men, follow me here on this one. You come home. Your wife says, how was your day? You say, fine, thank you. What's for dinner? She feels left out. She knows something happened to you. Something had to have happened. And what I'm saying, and I'm telling you myself, this is what I have to push myself for because I'm a fine, thank you, thank God kind of a guy. But I have to push myself to come up with details because it's the details that helps my wife feel connected, helps her feel like she's not on an island, helps her feel like it's not like I'm over there and I'm doing my stuff and she's over there and she's doing her stuff and we just sit together and have dinner. That's not it. She needs to feel connected to me and the way she does is when I share details. Still remember this. I learned this lesson one time. I shared something in a sermon. Like I shared something like God you know, put this message on my heart and Marianne was so hurt that day not upset. She wasn't upset. She was so hurt. And I'm like, why? She's like, because I asked you what you read in the Bible that same day, and you told me nothing. Then you shared it in front of the world. So it made her feel like she's not, she's not my partner. She's not my, my best friend, my BFF. Okay, she needs to, like, she needed to feel like it's not like I'm, I'm sharing stuff with the world, and I don't share it with her. And I'm telling you, gentlemen, your wives are the same way. That's why, let me tell you something for married couples. I see something, I, I hear this from married couples, I see this, and I'll tell you something that I think is an absolute marriage disaster if this is happening in your marriage. I think it's the worst practice, and I know so many people are doing this, so I'm not judging you, but I'm telling you, we need to fix this right away. I hear about couples that don't go to bed together, and I'm saying, I don't know what, what you're doing. That's got to change. Our number one habit, me and Marianne, we always go to bed together. We always go to bed together. It is very valuable for the face-to-face, We'll see its value in the belly in the belly in a little bit. Okay, we'll get to that. But I'm saying for this, I, I hear couples where, you know, what happened? Uh, she went to sleep. He's playing video games. Video games? What are you, in 12, what are you 12 years old? Like, stop playing the video games. <laughs> or he's going to sleep and she's shopping. Shopping? Like, you shopping? Like, now's the appropriate time to shop? Or working? Or kids? No, 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 no. In our house, I'm not saying we had a perfect system. But this is one area that I think we got right, is that we never go to bed without each other. And that means that sometimes... There would be times where I would come home very late. And if I come home, I don't recommend doing what I'm about to do, but I'm, it works for my, I have the best wife, but I don't recommend this. I sometimes come home 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night, Marianne is asleep. You know what she wants me to do? Wake her up. Don't recommend that. That's not where you start, okay? That's, that's for experienced people only. She wants me, and sometimes I feel bad. I don't want to wake her up. She wants me to wake her up because she wants to hear about my day. And she wants to share about her day. And we need to connect because in the end, all this stuff, and here we are, and we're church, and we're around, and we're kids, whatever. In the end, none of that stuff matters. At the end of the day, we close the door, and it's me and my best friend. It's me and my wife. And we connect. And I'm telling you, I'm sorry for what I'm about to say, but I, ladies, I just have to speak the guy's language, so forgive me. What I'm saying is going to sound bad. But I'm telling you, guys, a little investment face-to-face -face will buy you a lot of leeway in so many areas. I don't mean it that way like we're negotiating. I don't mean it that way. But what I'm saying is I can be gone for a long time or I could be busy. And as long as my, my wife knows that I'm going to come home and I'm going to share every single detail, she feels connected with me and she doesn't feel like she's on an island. That's actually why for us, something we've discovered in our marriage, sometimes when I actually I am away, that's actually when we get closest because that's when we talk on the phone and there's nothing else to do. There's nothing else to distract us. That's when it's just face-to-face, -face, even though it's over the phone. So trust me on that one. <clears throat> Little investment can lead to big benefits. That's our face-to-face -face time. Let's go down the skeleton, and we're going to go. The second type of fun is shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder fun. And now this one, ladies, our gentlemen, our husbands, tend to need this more and tend to be better at. And I'm going to say even go a little bit further here. Wives, this shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder fun is more important to your husband than you realize and that they realize as well. They don't even know how important it is to them, but this is how they feel valued when you are by their side in shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder fun. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. We already looked at this passage, but the, the verse I want to show today 
or show right now, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now, again, some people look at that helper, derogatory term. No, 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 no. Helper is not a derogatory term. The helper is a title given to God himself. The Holy Spirit is the helper. Don't look at it in a derogatory way. Don't take the stuff that ignorant people say and, and, and make that what you believe. Helper is a term that means a paraclete, means somebody alongside you, somebody that fits next to him, somebody that can be a partner side by side, best friend, go through life together. That's what shoulder to shoulder fun is all about. It means doing stuff that your husband likes or whoever it is, doing stuff together that you both like. Okay, but again, I'm leaning a little bit more towards the men on this one. Doing stuff together without any agenda, without any, like we have to you know, uh, talk about this necessarily, just having fun together, doing activities. And I'm telling you, just like I told the men, we don't get it. Ladies, I'm telling you, you don't get this, but I'll tell you for me. When we were first married, I'll give you two examples. I got the best wife on the planet. She was very good at understanding the shoulder-to-shoulder fun. When we were first married, we were married back in 2001. So that was pre-DVR. And what that meant is, okay, as a priest, obviously Sundays are very busy days, but Sundays is dedicated to two things. The good Lord in the morning, and then the beautiful game, okay, in the afternoon, okay, which is God's game, which is football. And don't tell me it's not God's game because it's on Sundays, his day off as well. So don't, don't try to push back on that one. That's very clear. But pre-DVR, what you have to do is you have to v, the VHS record the whole game. So the game would be from one to four. So you couldn't start watching until the whole thing was recorded. And you couldn't stop at four because what would happen is sometimes it'd be overtime. So I'd have to play, record the thing through like five o'clock. And then when I come home, I want to watch the game. So I'm like really eager to watch. So Marianne, let's say I came home at 4.30 and we're talking and we're hanging out. As soon as five o'clock hits, boom, we had like the switch. Okay, now we're in football mode and I'm sitting there, I want to watch the football. But again, pre-DVR, did anyone remember VHS, like fast forwarding, how it works in VHS? It was the worst technology ever. Okay, you push the fast forward button to go forward and somehow it had to go back a little bit, okay, and like get itself wound up and then it goes forward and then you hit stop and it goes a little too much and then it goes a little back. It, 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 was, it was a nightmare, okay? So for me to want to fast forward a minute of commercials took about 45 seconds to get it at the right place. So I just didn't do it because it just wasn't worth it because sometimes you go too far, you miss the play and like it's the worst. It's always going to be that way. So even though we're watching a recorded, we would let the commercials play. So I would watch the game, and it could be a fire around me. I wouldn't even notice what's happening. And then a commercial, and my wife would be sitting next to me. She would sit next to me on the couch while I watch football, a game she hates, and she'd have her book. And I'm focused, and she's reading. And then all of a sudden, the commercial, and then I could talk. And I would talk for just a minute. or just And in mid-sentence, if the game comes back on, and I'm back. And then back to the commercial. And then this, was, this is how we spent, like, the, until the, the, the DVRs came out, this is like our Sunday afternoon. And my wife hated the games of football. But she loved sitting next to me. You know why? Because she knew it, how much it meant to me. And I couldn't tell you why I wanted her next to me. It's not like because I wanted her to serve me or massage my feet or anything like that. In fact, I don't want any touching. I don't want anything. I don't, just everything stay as is. Especially if we're winning, no one moves what I wanted. But she would just sit there, and it meant the world to me. Another example. <clears throat> we used to go out, and we used to do our date nights. The way we used to do it is each one would we'd take turns planning it. So I would plan a date night, and then she would plan a date night. So one time she was asking me, like, what is it if you could do anything, you know, what, 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 what do you have fun doing? So I said, you know, whatever. Like, I'm happy doing anything. She's like, no, like, what is it you enjoy? Like, if you had, I think the question, we were playing one of those games, and it was like, if you had a Friday night, you could do anything, what would it be? I said, play basketball. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah, I love to play basketball. She's like, but I don't play basketball. I'm like, no, I'm not saying, like, 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 I enjoy that, but I also enjoy, like, whatever. Like, whatever you want to do, like, the park, the movie, like, whatever. Like, I don't care. But she, I could see a look in her eye. And she knew that I enjoy that. And she didn't want to deprive me of that. So we, the next time we had a date night, she planned it. And we went to the basketball court. And I'm like, what are we going to do here? She's like, you enjoy playing basketball? Play basketball. And I'm like, who, me and you? <laughs> She had a little sneakers and little shorts and a little headband, like whatever it was, she was ready to go. But of course, it's like Marianne against like me, you know? So it's like, she said, okay, we'll play basketball. We'll play to 15. 
you start with 14, I'll start with zero. Okay, 14, zero. I won 15, 14. So I'm like, okay, next time. I was like, okay, this will make it a little more challenging. Like, I'll play only with my left hand. You start with 14, I start with zero. I won 15, 14. By the end, it was like, okay, I'll only hop on my left leg, okay, and I have to close my, my right eye, okay, and I can, and she's like, this is degrading. Either just, just play normal. But she, she hated that night. That was a torturous night for her. But she loved it because I loved it. And I'm telling you, I can't explain why. But that meant the world to me, just having my wife by my side. Marianne figured out that if I'm going to have memories of things that I love, she wants to make sure she's in the picture. And ladies, I want the same for you. If there's things that your husband loves and he remembers them and he takes a mental snapshot of that night, I want you to be in the picture. I want you to be part of it because... Bottom line, if you're spending your most enjoyable time apart from each other, you're in trouble. I'm not saying every waking moment. I'm not saying you can't hang out with the ladies, you can't hang out with the guys. I'm not saying it that way. But I'm saying if the majority of your enjoyable time, you're not in the picture with him, you're in trouble. Now, I know what some of you ladies are thinking. This sounds painful. This sounds awful but I'm going to sweeten the deal for you. I'm going to give you some incentive. And guys, forgive me in advance. I'm going to tell some of our secrets here, okay? If you do this right, if you do this right, it will lead to something else. If you do the shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder time right, it will lead to face-to-face -to -face time. Don't tell him I said that. And don't come in with that agenda. And don't come in there thinking like, you know what, eventually we're going to have this... No. But what I'm saying is when your man is occupied mentally with something men like to turn their brains off as much as possible. Some of you are thinking, his never goes on. Sometimes it does go on. But his goal is to always get it to go back to off as quickly as possible. And when I'm playing basketball, mind is off, okay? It's like the guard is down, like relaxed, like that's, that's what, and maybe your husband is like fixing the car or maybe it's doing yard work or whatever it may be. Like whatever his fun activity is, the mind is off, the guard is down and he doesn't realize it he might start talking. Now, the second he realizes it, he'll stop. Put the guard back up and go back to being the boring slob that you marry that you know so well. But if you can get him, when the guard is down, the mind is off, he's on kind of occupied with that task, you know, you know what's going to come out. An emotion might come out. A dream might come out. A fear, a joy, a struggle. So you try it and see. Try it. Next time he's out in the yard, just walk out there and say, hey, you need a hand? Next time he's sitting there watching a football game, just have a seat next to him. You say, this is torture. And I'm telling you, but this is what we do in marriage. Next time he's doing some activity, he's doing it by himself, go sit next to him. Now, again, no agenda. Don't come in there with questions, especially during the football. Okay? Don't come in there with, with things you want to talk about or a list of things because you will get kicked out of that place as quickly as you came in. I told earlier that the guys with the face-to-face -face focus on details, 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 details. Ladies, when you come to shoulder to shoulder, you want to go to your husband, what should you focus on? Nothing. Very good. Thank you. Absolutely nothing. You should focus on nothing. What do we talk about? Nothing. What do we think about? Nothing. What are we doing? We're doing nothing. That's the whole point. Your man, his favorite place to be in life is in a place called nothing. So if you come in there and try to bring in something, he will kick you out of the nothing box. Because we don't want something in there. There's no happier place for your man than when he's got his wife side by side doing nothing. I'm telling you. No happier place. Happiest he'll ever be. Well, actually, before I stay to that comment, let's get to the third kind of fun because maybe there is another happy place that your husband might know about. We talked about the face-to-face we talked about the shoulder to shoulder. Now we're going to talk about the third kind of fun, which truly separates the marriage relationship from any other kind of relationship, and it's super awkward to talk about in church, but we gave it a funny name, which is belly to belly. Hopefully that makes it a little bit easier. We're going to talk about sex in marriage and the importance of it, because no matter how much, listen carefully, no matter how much the world tries to distort it, devalue it, dehumanize it, God is very clear about his view of sex, and it is not something dirty, it is not something bad, it is something created by him to be used in marriage. 
Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4 says, Marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. What this says is that sex and marriage, sex is not a bad thing. Sex is a gift from God, something he created. But it's to be used a certain way. And when used the right way, undefiled, pure, holy, sacred. When used the wrong way, watch out. Like I liken it to, I have a daughter who's 15 and whatever months. Soon she's going to get her driver's license. Me getting her a car, that's a gift. That's a great gift. And it's something that I'm doing it to give her freedom, give myself freedom too, but something that like is going to make her life much better. But it's got to be used in the right way. So 15 is not the right time to use it. After curfew is not the right time to use it. Driving fast, like there's rules. And if you follow these rules, it's a great gift. If you disobey the rules, it's deadly for you and anyone in your way. Sex is the same way. Many couples struggle with sex today. And I believe it often comes back to one simple thought. It's this idea that somehow it's sinful, somehow it's dirty. Truth. One time a guy called me from his honeymoon. A guy called me and he said to me, you know what, Father Anthony? He's like, I know it's allowed, but it still feels wrong. Feels like I'm doing something wrong. So I told him, no, brother, you go back in there and you do it, man. Like, go, go, go. Like, how great is to have your priest telling you, go, 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 go for it. Like, this is, this is what you've been gearing up for your whole life. Like, go. But the truth is, <clears throat> a lot of us have that wrong impression. And that's what leads to problems. So I want to give you two tips. I want to go very practical. Not actually, not very practical, okay? That, that'd be very awkward. Not super practical. But practical ways that you can... You can incorporate the belly-to-belly fun into your marriage, okay, in a, in a God-honoring way. And I'll say two things. Number one is make time for sex. Make time for sex. Make time for it. Make it. Be intentional about making time for it, especially newly married early on is super-duper important. The earlier on, the more important. There's a reason why there's a thing called a honeymoon. And there's a reason why you're supposed to take off for a period of time after your marriage. And there's... A, like, sometimes I hear about things, and you know, like, okay, we're going to spend the first year, and he's going to live there, and she's going to live there, and I'm like, don't do it. Trust me, don't do it. Trust me, don't do it. No matter what. Career, it's not worth it. Because marriage, we need to know from the very beginning, too many people treat marriage like single life plus one. Single life plus one. You know what that means? Single life, like, I'm single, and I go to this party, and I go to this event, and I go to this trip, and I do this, and now all of a sudden I get married, so I have someone to go with me to these events. No, 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 no. There's a reason why your other married friends, when they got married, you hated them. And you said, you guys are never around. There's a reason. You're not supposed to be around. You're not supposed to be living the single life plus one. You're not supposed to be at every event. You're not supposed to go to every wedding. You're not supposed to travel all the time. You're supposed to make time for your marriage. Face to face, shoulder to shoulder, and belly to belly as well. <clears throat> be intentional. Don't mistake. Okay, now I'm going to talk those who are early on in the marriage, especially without kids. Don't mistake that we have a lot of time together, quantity for quality. Yes, you sit there and you watch Netflix every single night together. That's not quality. Yes, you're always around. You don't have kids. And every night is date night in our house. No, that every night is date night means no night is date night. Don't mistake quantity for quality. Those who have been married for a long time and have kids. Okay, so you've done the belly to belly thing, but it needs to keep on going. It's not something that ends after a certain period of time. And I'll tell you that this practice Making sure that you are intentional about the belly-to-belly, the sex time, is so important to keep that person at the top of the relationship pyramid. Because you're watching football with different people, so don't just watch football with people and your wife. You're talking, you're going out to coffee with different girls. Don't just go out to coffee with your husband and go out to coffee with your friends. There's one thing that is exclusive that says our relationship is different than any other relationship on the planet, that me and you, and that's when it comes to this. So you're married, you got kids, that's what grandparents are for. You don't got grandparents, that's what the funny teenage neighbor is for. Give her 10 bucks or whatever it is. Say, we don't have teenage neighbors, that's why God invented TV. Put something in on the TV, put a little movie in, okay? And you make sure that you are intentional about your time with your spouse. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. A verse which needs no explanation. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breasts satisfy you always, may you ever be captivated by her love, and I will not expound on this verse any further, okay, because I think it speaks for itself, and guys, some guys are like, this would be a great memory verse, okay, I know some, (laughs) very, very clear, what it says is play offense, the goal isn't just to play defense, play offense, okay, with your spouse, now, 
I'm going to give you a second bonus tip here on this one on the belly to belly because it's not often that we talk about sex at church. So I'm going to kind of get it all out what I want to say and never have to talk about this again, hopefully, because it's uncomfortable for everyone. And I will say this. The, the, the second tip I want to say is godly sex is different than the world sex because it's unselfish. The key to godly sex is unselfish. The key to the life of Christianity is unselfish. Christianity is all about giving versus taking. It's more blessed to give than to receive. It's all about not my wants, my needs, my desires. It's all about sacrificing those for the sake of the other person, and sex is no different. So what I want to say right now, I want to speak, usually when it comes to marriage, and this may change over the course of marriage, there's usually one person that has a higher sex drive and one person who has a lower sex drive, okay? Hopefully, they're not very far apart, but usually there's one higher and one low. doesn't always have to be the man with the higher, okay? Like, again, sometimes it is, but not necessarily. So if you are the person with the lower sex drive, okay, let me start with you. If you're the person with the lower sex drive, godly sex is unselfish. It's not your job to say, well, this is all I can do. You need to help your spouse because your spouse, especially you're saying they have a higher sex drive, has a thousand and one sexual temptations outside. There's a thousand and one ways that he can find sexual gratification to meet his higher drive. And the only one legitimate way is you. He has a thousand options or she has a thousand options. You're the only one that doesn't come with a thunderbolt coming from heaven attached to it. So you're going to help him out. You're going to help her out. You're not going to say, this is what I, you're going to say, this is what my spouse needs. It's my pleasure to offer her what she needs, to offer him what she needs. I'm going to take one. I'm going to sacrifice for him or for her. Now you're the one with the more, the higher sex drive. Let me talk to you because again, it's the same principle. It's not like, yeah, Father Anthony said, no, no, no. What I'm going to say to you is the exact same thing. It's not about you. And it's not about what you need. It's about your spouse. And I'm telling you that we have to sacrifice for the sake of the other. And what I want to say here, if you're the one with the higher sex drive, help them help you. Help them help you. There's certain things and there's small, like little things that you can do to increase your spouse's likelihood of wanting to help you. So maybe that means more face-to-face -face time. Maybe that means more shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder time. Whatever it is, find out from your spouse how you can make it easier for them to want to do it. Ladies, I got some options for you. If you're ladies and you're the one with the higher drive and your husband doesn't have it, I'll give you some ideas. Okay, one thing that will help your husband to feel better about himself is the way you speak about him, hands down. Okay, so when you speak about your husband positively, when you admire your husband, when he hears you behind his back talking about how great he is, that increases his desire to show to be intimate with you. So speak admirably about your husband. If he feels put down, it's going to make him uninterested in being intimate with you. Men, let me talk to you right now. Let's say you're the ones with the higher drive. For us, okay, what I would say to you is focus on that face-to-face -face time. Help around the kitchen. Help with the kids at bedtime. Put down the cell phone. Turn off the golf channel. Put down the video game. No one cares about any of that stuff. Maybe, okay, again, I'm like, forgive me, but I'm just be honest. Maybe an honest conversation with your spouse about like hygiene. Like maybe take a shower before you come in there, okay? Maybe clip those toenails, not in bed preferably. Like maybe, you know, like, like not just take off your shirt and like come and get it, baby. Like that, that, that's not going to help them, okay? So help them to help you. Because sex in marriage is the true, the truest picture of to become one. And it's that important. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3 says this. said, let the husband render his wife the affection due to her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. That's the goal. So, there you have it. That's our fun for today. Well, not our fun for today. It's our talk about fun. You're going to go practice it, hopefully, okay, when you, when you get home. Three steps of having fun. Face-to-face, shoulder-to-shoulder, belly-to-belly. Face-to-face, the focus should be on details. You have to make time to go details, details, details. The more, the better. Shoulder to shoulder is the opposite. Your focus should be on nothing. And if there's something that becomes the focus, you're doing it wrong. It should be absolutely nothing and let God lead it wherever it may be. Belly to belly, focus on investing the time, being intentional. And then number two, being unselfish. And your homework this week, 
Your homework is really easy. Have some fun. I want you to practice having some fun. And you know you're going to do it. We will know the success of this talk if we have a bunch of baptisms in about nine, ten months, okay? (laughs) Then we will know we did something right here at church on Sunday. Practice, be intentional face-to-face, shoulder-to-shoulder, belly-to-belly. And I'll give you some questions right here in case this can help. You can take a picture of this. It's in your handout as well. You can discuss this on the car ride home or over dinner tonight. On a scale of 1 to 10, ask your spouse how fun is your relationship. Be honest. There's no right or wrong answer. Two, what are some fun experiences that you've enjoyed with your spouse? Share that together. It can hopefully help with the shoulder to shoulder. And then number three, what's something fun you could plan to do this week that your spouse would enjoy? I know some of you are going to be sitting there and saying, Father Anthony, I don't want to do this with my spouse. We are fighting right now. Okay, we got our, you know what I mean? Like we're in our, so we're not even looking at each other right now as you're talking all this stuff and each one of us is hearing, but we're, I get it, I get it, I get it. Some of us are in a tough place, but I'm telling you what I said in the beginning. The best defense is a good offense. And who knows? Maybe just what the doctor ordered is a little bit of fun in your marriage. Building some memories together. Building some intimacy and connection. Because too many people see their spouse. Too many people see their spouse as a partner at best and as an enemy at worst. And my goal in my marriage, I hope my goal for your marriage, is to restore the friendship. Restore the BFF, best friend forever. My sister and my spouse, that's my goal because that's the kind of marriage that lasts. And ultimately, if you want a picture of what that looks like in the end, this isn't a Bible quote that I'm going to show you up here, but it's something I saw online and it's connected to a picture, so I just loved it so much. So I said, let me, let me share it right here. The goal is to say this one day. I'm here not because I'm supposed to be here or because I'm trapped here, but because I'd rather be with you than anywhere else in the world. And that deserves an awe, if anything deserves an awe. That's our goal is to get there. And I promise you, no matter where you are in your marriage, you can get there. It's not going to happen by accident, but it's going to happen when we commit to the disciplines. Number one, we will seek God. Number two, we will fight fair. Number three, we'll have fun. And we'll pick it up with our fourth discipline next Sunday. Let's stand together for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us here and for this message that you've given to us. We know, Lord, that marriage is a gift from you to us. So we pray that you would help us to value it in the way that you want us to value it, in the way that you value it, and to be intentional about having fun together and building intimacy. I pray, Lord, for every marriage that's standing here and every future marriage that I know that you want to build and get off on the right foot. I pray you would help us, Lord, to every day fight the good fight get closer to your perfect picture where you want our marriages to be. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints. Hear us, Lord, as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation from the evil one, In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.